From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina ahmed Haq. Welcome to a new episode of For What It's Worth. I am your host, Rabina ahmed Haq. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend on the show and for taking some time out to learn about personal finance and workplace because I know that talking about money can be a hard sell. And a lot of people just feel like that's just something I don't want to hear too much about considering everything that's going on right now. So I really, really thank you for taking the time to listen to our show today. And we have a great show for you to talk about all the things that are happening right now in our economy and things that affect our pocketbook. Uh, in the show later, we're going to have a guest talk about the BC port strike and the impact that may have on our back to school shopping. So back to school uh, shopping is the second biggest retail event for businesses. So we shop more during back to school than we do any other time of year except for the holidays, the holidays being the big bang, right? That's when everybody gets out there and spends all that cash. Uh, but the back to school shopping season is really important to get businesses profits up for the year. And they do sell a lot of things like clothing for kids and backpacks. And they, they tend to do a lot of that, uh, a lot of those sales at that time, things that all parents would are well aware of the things that we're expected uh, to buy. Uh, and if they don't get the inventory on their shelves, they will be forced to keep their prices higher. And that could mean less people through the door because they'll be intimidated by the fact that everything is so expensive and they'll be feeling like, well, I don't want to pay full price for this item. Maybe I'll wait a little bit longer. And that could just overall translate to less customers in the store and less profits for those retailers. Um, later in the show, at the end of the show, I am going to talk about some tips and tricks for parents to save money on back to school. I'm a big believer in not shopping too much during the back to school season, despite the fact that it is so important for our retailers, but really keeping our personal finances top of mind, especially at this time. So stay tuned for that. Some ways that you can easily save by starting early. And uh, by being really, really cognizant of the things that your kids actually need. But definitely looking ahead to back to school. And then even further for Thanksgiving and Halloween, we may see less things on the shelves because the backlog they're saying uh, from the BC port strike, which lasted 13 days and there was a stop and start that happened. Then the strike was declared illegal and now workers are back um, at work. Uh, that 13-day uh, that stoppage cost the economy $10 billion. $10 billion of goods was not able to get through the ports at that time. And they're now saying that it's going to take up until October to clear that backlog. The BC ports are very important for Canada's economy. And even a 13-day stoppage can have huge impacts on, uh, on our small businesses here in Canada. So we'll be talking about that. And later in the show, we're going to talk about financial wellness. Uh, this week, on Monday, we celebrated International Self-Care Day. And so this day, really looking at all the things that we can do to take care of our overall well-being. And part of that is financial wellness. And during the pandemic, especially, uh, a lot of companies, a lot of corporations, government have really woken up to the fact that financial wellness is imperative 
for the better health of our workplace, the better health of our society. If we have financial wellness, we are better partners. So we have better relationships. We are more productive in our jobs because we're not losing sleep thinking about money. And we just generally feel better about the decisions that we are able to make because we are doing all the right things with our cash. We're saving money for retirement. We're putting money away for a rainy day. We've got money in the bank for our kids for their education. And all of that even if you're just starting out, can immediately make you feel better. And it's really important to understand the, the link between financial wellness and our, our overall health and wellness. And that if you know we may be going to the gym, doing the right thing, eating well, all those other things that we know are important, but if we're not taking care of our finances, it can have an impact on our overall health. So we'll be talking uh, later in the show uh, to Capital One's president about financial wellness and some things that we can do in an immediate way to improve our financial wellness, some things we can do today to actually make ourselves feel better about our money. These days, a lot of people are not feeling great about their money. Uh, There's a new report out by TD Bank that says Canada, out of nations that that are similar in uh, status, is falling behind when it comes to the standard of living. So what we can afford, where we can afford to live, the kinds of cars we're able to buy, the kind of lifestyle we're able to have, we're falling behind other comparable countries like United States and Australia because of our higher cost of living, because of higher interest rates. And so it's really important to understand why this is happening. Um, A lot of it has to do with higher interest rates. A lot of it has to do with the fact that housing prices have become un- un unbearable for a lot of people. If you're trying to buy a house in this market, a lot of people can't even save enough for their down payment. And rent has become more expensive. For example, an average two-bedroom home in uh, a average one-bedroom apartment in Toronto is about $2,400, even more in a city like Vancouver. And for a lot of young people especially, that's a cost that they just cannot bear because wages have not kept up with the cost of living. A lot is being done to get inflation under control. Wages have started to pick up, but definitely this TD report um, called Mind the Gap, uh, Canada is falling behind the standard of living curve, is concerning that we're not living as good of a life today as we were 10 years ago, and we are falling behind countries that are comparable when it comes to our access to our spending power, our access to services, and our ability to uh, manage our money is not at the same level it was even just 10 years ago. Uh, We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to uh, the the CFIB, the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses, and what they're seeing from their members, uh, the impact that the BC port strike has had on them. They say in the immediate term, 50% of their members say they have been immediately impacted by what's happening at the BC ports. So what does that mean for us, the consumers? What does that mean for our pocketbook? We'll be talking about all that and more when we come back. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rubina Ahmed Huck. The BC port strike has had a major impact on Canada's economy. The estimate is that it has held back $10 billion worth of goods and the backlog will take months to clear. The Canadian Federation of Independent Business says more than half of their members are immediately affected 
by the port strike, and this could result in higher prices for consumers. To talk more about this, we are joined by Jasme Gannett. He is VP of National Affairs at the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Hi, Jasme. It's my pleasure to be with you. Uh, first, I wanted to start by asking you this 13-day strike, which kind of went back and forth after for a little while, but it had an immediate impact on your members. Can you tell us about what they're saying, how they're being affected by this 13-day uh, strike? Yes, many businesses were uh, greatly impacted by the strike at BC Ports. And we have to remember that uh, the strike was not just at the Port of Vancouver, but all ports along the coast, uh, north to south. And so it had a tremendous impact on many small businesses. Uh, if you think of businesses in uh, manufacturing, businesses in construction, uh, agriculture businesses or family farms, um, businesses in retail, wholesale, many businesses were uh, impacted by the strike and hopefully uh, this week uh, uh, we will have a firm uh, uh, answer from the union as whether or not they uh, are going to continue their uh, their strike and everybody is hoping that the agreement that was proposed to them will be ratified uh, but the impact was uh, was tremendous on uh, for many small businesses uh, as i said uh, and we received many testimonies from, from our members um, sharing some of the impact that they had to deal with because of the strike. Would you mind sharing any of those uh, uh, firsthand testimonials of, of what, what small businesses are saying about the impact that the strike has had on them? Yeah, I'm going to give you uh, two examples, but this is just two among... Uh, the many that we received. Uh, one was from a uh, beverage producer in BC. Uh, the business was waiting for a shipment of uh, about 50,000 glass uh, bottle uh, to uh, go about their production. And obviously those 50,000 glass bottles were stuck at the port. Uh, and they were also waiting for a second shipment to uh, be received. And obviously those were also stuck at the port. And so in total, it's, you know, it, it's 100,000 uh, bottles that, uh, that potentially uh, got stuck at the port uh, for days and days, uh, therefore impacting the uh, business operation. Um, and another one uh, that uh, I can share, another example I can share with you today is uh, a member in Ontario, a, a retailer waiting for a shipment of, uh, of, of footwear and clothing material for back to school season. And the business is uh, worried that the that the strike could uh, impact their inventory and those products could not arrive on time uh, to make it to the short uh, window uh, uh, of uh, back to school season. And so these are some examples of products and impact uh, uh, that businesses uh, uh, can expect when a strike at 
a port like the one in Vancouver or uh, any other ports uh, can have on businesses. We're speaking to Jasme Ganet. He's VP of National Affairs at the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Uh, Jasme, could this translate to higher prices if uh, if uh, if a store isn't able to get uh, their inventory for back to school and they there's more demand, less supply? Could this mean that we're going to see less of these back to school sales and other things that parents are often expecting at this time of year? The short answer is yes. Uh, a strike like at uh, BC ports uh, can have an impact on consumer price. Uh, we may uh, the impact could be on different type of products such as uh, back to school uh, uh, product. Now, um, it's not just the strike that can have an impact. It's also the backlog that the strike creates. Uh, that can also uh, have an impact. Now, um, the fastest the backlog is cleared, the less impactful the strike will be at the end. Uh, but already businesses uh, have lost uh, revenues because of the strike. Uh, already businesses may add to uh, uh, find uh, other routes to get their product out of the country if uh, that would have been possible uh, at all. And so um, th there are many impacts. Uh, one is on the business bottom line, obviously. And then uh, the greater the impact on businesses, uh, the greater the impact on consumer uh, can be um, at the end of the day. Uh, you know, when we see supply chain disruptions uh, happening, um, like we have seen during the pandemic, uh, it could lead uh, uh, to um, higher prices uh, for consumer. And the back to school season is very important for retailers. Uh, it's second only to the holidays when Canadians shop the most. Uh, uh, this, how could this impact uh, businesses who have already been impacted so much in the last three years by everything like you mentioned uh, during the pandemic? Well, uh, the impact uh, is... Um is uh, can be important. Uh, let's say you're waiting for your back-to-school shipment and that shipment doesn't arrive on time. You will most likely, as a business owner, lose those sell opportunity uh, uh, because your shelves are going to be empty. And if your shelves are not... Uh, if you're not able to offer typically what you would offer to your customer... Uh, in such a short season like the back-to-school season, then obviously, uh, you know, the impact is uh, on your uh, business bottom line because you're not making the sales that typically you would have made uh, simply because you're not getting your shipment uh, on time. Um, and we have to remember that right now only half of small businesses in Canada are back to a uh, uh, normal uh, level of revenues, meaning uh, compared to what they were making to uh, prior to the pandemic. So not only businesses have, so not only many businesses have to deal with 
lower sales revenue. Many businesses have to deal also with inflation, shortages of labor, uh, higher borrowing rates. And on top of that, you're waiting for your shipment to arrive on time uh, and, and, and avoid losing sales. So it's quite a stressful uh, situation for many uh, small business owners who uh, use those specific season like uh, holiday season, back to school season, and other uh, celebration, maybe like Halloween or uh, Valentine's Day to boost their sales. Uh, but to boost their sales, they have to have their inventory in. And when a strike like at BC Ports hit, uh, businesses can be worried not to receive those inventory on time. We've seen this happen before with supply chain uh, being disrupted because of a backlog. It happened a few years ago with the Suez Canal, and that was an international problem. Uh, BC Ports, again, highlights how important it is to keep things moving. Um, is there a way that we can change the system so we can avoid situations like this where there is a labor disruption and the impacts it has on, um, on, on businesses being able to get supplies that they need in order to, to run, uh, run their day-to-day -day, uh, day -day business? Yeah, there are some solutions. And um, I think it's a, it's a good question uh, uh, to ask um, because first... We have to learn from past experience. We have seen recently two strikes uh, at the port of Montreal, and now we have seen this strike at BC ports. Uh, and it looks like um, uh, when union uh, are negotiating a new collective bargaining agreement, uh, at those critical infrastructure, um, a strike is never uh, too far away from uh, being uh, launched. And so I think the federal government needs to needs to look at this very closely uh, and consider introducing legislation that would make port, uh, an essential service. Therefore, when the union and the employer would negotiate their collective uh, bargaining agreement, um, uh, they would have to maintain port activities while doing so. And that would take a lot of pressure off uh, small businesses who rely on that day-to-day -day delivery uh, coming through. And even a couple of days can really um, put them put their whole process uh, uh, into jeopardy. I want to thank you so much, uh, Jasmine, for joining us today, giving us a, a sort of wide lens of what's happening and the impact of the BC uh, port strike and what we can expect as consumers going forward uh, when we go out, uh, for example, back to school shopping. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me on the show. It was a real pleasure. That was Jasme Gannett. He is VP of National Affairs at the CFIB. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the importance of financial wellness and the connection that financial wellness has on your overall health. I'm Rabina Ahmad Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk.
celebrated International Self-Care Day this week. And with the cost of living crisis and rising interest rates this year, financial wellness is a top concern. A recent survey by PwC finds that nearly half of Canadians are very or extremely concerned about their personal finances. As well, a survey by the bank Capital One finds household income does not strongly correlate to having better financial well-being. So this idea of, I'll make more and feel better about my money, is actually not true. To talk about how we can take better care of our financial health, we are joined by Patrick Enns. He's president at Capital One Canada. Welcome to the program, Patrick. Hi, Rubina. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. Um, I want to first start by asking, you know, we've talked a lot about financial wellness, especially during the pandemic and how important it is to have an emergency fund and how important it is to sort of stay on top of our savings. But what does it mean to you when someone says financial self-care? Yeah, great question. I mean, financial self-care in its simplest form, I think is just spending some of your time and energy uh, on taking care of your finances and understanding how your personal finances uh, might be affecting your overall um, health and well-being. And, you know, there are definitely things that we can do proactively. Uh, could you share some good money habits that maybe someone listening right now uh, could start right away that will just improve their overall financial wellness down the road? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it all starts with being organized. The, the first step is getting organized. And, and when I say getting organized, that means understanding where you're at today, having some sense of your overall financial picture, you know, what savings you have, what debts you might have, and, and where your money is going to, because it's that first step of understanding where you're at in your financial journey that will allow you to take more intentional steps and form those good habits that you're talking about for being a next. And, you know, this is, it feels like an obvious question between you and I. I mean, I talk about personal finance almost every single day of my life and you being the president of Capital One, but how important is is financial wellness to Canadians right now? Especially like I described, you know, during the pandemic, we sort of woke up to the fact that, you know, it's really important to have our financial wellness in check when the unexpected happens. And then now in the situation we're in now with high cost of living, higher interest rates, people are all of a sudden starting to realize how important it is uh, to pay attention to their financial wellness. But how important is it in this moment with, with everything that's happening with the economy? Certainly. Yeah. And, you know, I've worked at Capital One for many years now. And actually, over, over my time here, I've come to understand that financial well-being and understanding has been something that I think is just generally under-talked about uh, in our society. And it's not common for our customers or everyday Canadians to share openly about their financial worries uh, and concerns. Um, one of the, I think, silver linings of the current situation we're in where financial stress has been heightened by rising inflation is that uh, hopefully people are recognizing there are more people like them who have the same questions and concerns and there's more attention being put on the matter. So, you know, there's shows like like yours are being discussing it. And, and hopefully this opens the door to people sharing more, uh, because to your point, um, financial well-being, we know, is directly linked to overall health and well-being because it's one of the top causes of stress. And, and as we know, having too much stress can lead to other negative health consequences over the long term. 
We're speaking to Patrick Enns. He's the president at Capital One Canada. You know, one of the things I come across, Patrick, a lot is uh, I'll get emails from people saying, yeah, you know, Rubina, great tips, but I have no money at the end of the month to save for retirement or put into an emergency fund or invest in some, you know, some system or some stock or some business. I just don't have the cash to do that. So this is great in, in theory, but in practice, it's just not going to work. How do, how, do you, how do you speak to those people who are struggling right now with higher mortgage payments, higher cost of living, uh, also worried about their own uh, job security with possible recession uh, in, in the next in the next six months to a year. Um, how does someone like that start to take care of their financial health when they feel like there's really no room for them to do that? Yeah. And, and you know, the first thing I thought about when you said that, Rubina, was, uh, you know, if someone has a great handle on their overall financial situation and is aware that at the end of that process, they may not be ready to you know invest in their TFSA or other retirement vehicles, they're actually in a really strong starting point uh, because they know they're in financial situation and understanding one's financial situation can lead to the next step, which is probably making um, choices. And some of those can be difficult choices about you know where they might be able to cut back spending or where they might be able to contribute more to debt repayment. Um, really that understanding is is such a critical first step so in some sense that's you know they've taken the right first step and then the piece of advice i'd have is that you know financial planning and financial goals almost by definition are are longer term so they take some patience to realize and it's less about being able to get all the way there in one step and more about being able to create positive habits and take it one day at a time one manageable step at a time. And it's those small steps, I'm sure you know, Ravina, that really add up and can compound over time um, to allow people to hit their financial goals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like anything. Once you start, you start to immediately feel better because you've made that decision uh, to do something better uh, about your life, about your financial wellness. It's true when it comes to things like uh, starting to eat better and go to the gym, you immediately feel better because you've just made that first step, which can sometimes feel uh, the hardest. Um, you know, a lot of people don't want to learn about their finances. They find that it's a, money is a taboo subject. So they never talked about it growing up. It's really difficult for them to admit that they're in any kind of financial trouble. Uh, what does, what does a lack of financial wellness and an extension financial literacy, uh, how does that impact other parts of our lives? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, a lack of overall financial literacy and focus and attention on it can lead to, you know, a bit of a negative cycle, right? When you have a lot of stress pertaining to your money and finances, and then maybe you choose to ignore certain aspects of that, that can lead to things getting worse, which in turn can lead to more stress. And, and unfortunately, we as human beings under stress tend to make worse decisions, not better decisions. Um, and so that can turn into a, a pretty a pretty bad cycle, which is, I think, why it's really important to understand that, you know, gaining a better understanding uh, and control of your finances, even if on day one, you don't necessarily like what you see, uh, you can turn that into one productive step. And, you know, one productive step becomes two. And before you know it, that becomes five or 10. Uh, and you've made a pretty dramatic difference uh, in your own life. And, and money just permeates everything that we do, right? So you'll start to feel that 
that impact positively on your work or your relationships, your you know physical health. Um, there's just so many positives that come alongside that. This week, uh, we celebrated International Self-Care Day. I think this is a really important uh, 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 idea to think about because of everything that all of us have been through in the last three years, just being just more aware of things that uh, can improve our overall health and, and well-being. Um, what's some ways uh, that you could, uh, that someone could reduce that anxiety today um, if they're just feeling overwhelmed by their money, uh, some positive steps they could take, even maybe calling someone who is a, in the financial services that could guide them a little bit uh, through this time? Yeah, I do think there's a variety of great kind of tools that exist. I mean, People listening to this podcast are probably, uh, or this or, or this segment are are seeking out information, and so there's there's a bunch that exists. I mean, you know, there's companies like ours, like Capital One Canada. We have a blog called Life and Better Credit, and you know, part of that is to help people understand what's important uh, in improving their credit. Um, but I would also encourage people to reach out to whatever financial services company they're working with who wants to be a partner in their financial lives. And I think many of the financial institutions in Canada do, and many of the people working in those institutions do want to be part of that journey as well. Um, you know, and then lastly, just knowing that, knowing the statistics, I mean, it's more people than not who find themselves in a situation where personal finances are a source of negative stress in their lives, that just means that people that are around you are probably seeking out the same sort of resources and answers. Um, and that could be a great starting point because, you know, you can always talk to someone that you already know, you, you someone that you already know and trust uh, is, a, is the best, best spot to go to for advice. Patrick, thanks so much uh, for taking the time to talk to us today about financial wellness and what we can all do to improve it uh, going forward. My pleasure. Thank you, Rabina. Thank you. That's Patrick Enns. He's the president at Capital One Canada talking about uh, this week being self-care day and how we should be paying more attention to our financial wellness and how financial wellness really permeates into every part of our life. We feel better about relationships. We feel better about we are more productive at work, so we're more likely to get that promotion, make more money. It just has a general, generally positive impact on our lives. And that's why we should pay more attention to our money and uh, doing those good things like building an emergency fund, saving for retirement, putting money away for a vacation. It just makes you feel better. That proverbial sleep better at night. You literally do sleep better when you've got your money in order. When we come back, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I think parents should start thinking about back to school. I know it's about six, week, six weeks away for some of us here in Canada, but it's really important to start early. There's a couple of reasons why I think this year starting early is going to save more money. And I also have some tips on getting ready for back to school that cost nothing at all. I'm Rabina Ahmad Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Robina ahmed Hawk. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. I know that you guys, you parents, don't want to hear this, but I think it's time for us to all 
get ready for back to school. That doesn't mean that summer's going to end. It doesn't mean that we're going to speed up the beginning of fall. It just means that we will save some money if we start saving early and we start planning early. So saving, of course, saving for all those purchases, but also planning on how we're going to get those items. It'll just save you a lot of cash if you just uh, start that much earlier. This year in particular, and the reasons are many. One, the BC port strike, which we were talking about earlier in the program, that's definitely going to slow inventory getting to retail shelves. And so that will mean that prices may remain high. And it could also mean that if you wait too long, you will not get the sizes that you need. I know for me, I'm not so fussy on color. So if you know my kids wanted a blue backpack and all that's available is yellow, that's what you're going to get, right? Get what you get and you don't get upset. I say that to my kids all the time. But sizing matters. I can't buy my kid size seven shoes if he's size six, right? I need to make sure he's got the right size of shoes to wear to school. So if you want to really make sure that you can get all the things that you need at a good price, start looking at the sales now. Start perusing the websites to see what's available or even going in person. I'm really a big fan of buying everything online because I find my personality is when I go to the mall, I end up buying more things than I need. And in fact, years ago, there was a survey done. uh, They called it the mall phenomena. So just by stepping into a mall, we spent $100 more just by stepping in. So that really is what convinced me that online shopping is the way to go. Now, some people have argued with me and said, well, online shopping can also be tempting. I agree, but not as tempting as the mall. And when you go to the mall, you often spend money on other things too. You stop for a little bit of lunch, you might buy a coffee, you might pick up a couple extra things for yourself. There's always temptation. So back to school shopping, my advice Try to do it early, try to do it online. But the other thing is before you even get to the spending part of back to school planning, because now this year I'm trying to call it back to school planning rather than back to school shopping, is you've got to do the inventory in your house first. So everything that you have in your house that your kids would need for back to school, pens, papers, pencil, crayons, art supplies, backpacks, lunch bags, clothing, do a inventory. Spend a rainy Sunday and do it on that day. So if you see that the weather is going to be sort of crummy one one weekend, that's the weekend you should, you know, because you're not doing much outside, that's the weekend you should uh, do all the inventory. And it doesn't really take that long. And kids really do love getting involved. I know my kids love uh, going through all their stuff and seeing what's new, seeing what's broken, seeing what should be thrown out, what should be replaced. And that's going to give you a good idea. Nine times out of 10, you'll find most stuff that you need in your house, especially when it comes to supplies. Uh, The other thing is shop the free sites first. So most areas in Canada, especially on Facebook, have a site dedicated to a community of people that want to give away their stuff for free. I know I, I have one in my town where it's called If It's Free. That's all it's called, If It's Free. And uh, so if you put in free or if it's free, something is going to come up where you can join a community where people are giving stuff away for free. And if you do the inventory and then you know what stuff you need, then you can say, I'm in search of a backpack in good condition. I'm in search of uh, rain boots, size three or whatever it is that you need. And all these people who want to get stuff out of their house because their kids have grown out of it or they don't need it anymore will be more than happy to pass it on to you. So that is my best advice to get stuff for nothing is to really tap your own community for the free things that they're going to give out. And in the end, those things could end up in the landfill anyways, because if they've got nowhere to, to put it, they're going to throw it out. Or maybe they'll go dump it at you know a thrift shop, which is fine. Thrift shops are my second 
second tip, but definitely it's important to uh, shop the free sites first. And the reason I love these sites is because it's one-on-one, right? So if I say I want those size three rain boots, that person knows I'm going to take them home and use them because I asked for it specifically or I, I, uh, or I requested it from them when they posted it. So those are the things that I think really do get the best use. And the other thing is secondhand shops. And of course, online, there's a lot of stuff that's being sold secondhand. So really search those sites first before you go and buy things at retail, because you will get great deals, especially if your kids are under the age of 12. So they're still growing quite rapidly and year to year, they need new stuff. That stuff is pretty in pretty good condition because it hasn't been used. Rain boots, again, being one example, you don't really use those rain boots all that much. And, you know, half the year they spend in snow boots and then the rain boots come out sort of October-ish and then March and April-ish and that's about it. Um, so those are things that, you know, you can easily pick up for quite cheap, uh, on, you know, on places like online, online retail sites, uh, sorry, rather online secondhand sites. And there's many of them. I don't need to mention the names. You, you know where they are and you can go to thrift stops too. Thrift shops have great stuff that you can buy. Although I have noticed that at certain thrift shops, prices have gone up recently, uh, after, you know, inflation ticked higher, they've also raised their prices. I mean, if they've got a store to run, they've got to pay their labor costs. They've got to pay utilities. Their costs have gone up and that has translated into higher prices at many secondhand stores as well, thrift shops as well, which I was surprised by, but it's still much, much cheaper than buying it retail. And when you do go out to the retail stores, take your kids with you. Take your kids with you to really be a part of that process, to understand that things cost money, understand how much money is being spent, and also make them part of the process to choose those items because it's a great teachable moment to talk about, do you want this or that? Do you want to wait a little bit to see if this goes on sale? I mean, this makes them just better consumers. This makes them wiser about making better consumer choices in the future if you bring them with you. If you, I know it's not not as efficient, right? When I go with my kids to the mall, it takes me three times as long to get through everything. So time-wise, yes, it's not the best use of time, but it it will build those life skills that they will carry with them their whole lives. So that's my advice is that if you can this year, get started early because of all the things that are happening right now in our economy. If you want to get the best deals, if you want to score the best free stuff, now's the time to do it. And you got to start with that inventory. Make sure you don't have it in your house already before you go out there and spend your hard earned cash on it. Uh, we had a great show today. I really enjoyed our conversation um, with uh, with the representative from Canadian Federation of Independent Business, uh, talking about the effect that the, uh, the the BC port strike has had uh, is having on our small businesses, and so uh, something that consumers can expect going forward. Maybe less items at back to school, less items at Halloween and Thanksgiving, because it's going to take that long, according to Jasmine Gannett, the VP of National Affairs at CFI, CFIB. Uh, to actually clear the backlog, and also talking about financial wellness with uh, the president of Capital One, Patrick Enns, something that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I have really shifted my focus to make sure every story that I do really does promote financial wellness, because it's not just about making more money and about investing more money. It's really about understanding how we can do better with the money we have. And by, you know, the choices that the person next to you makes may not work for you, but the choices that you make have to really, with your money, really have to serve you in every way. Are you getting value out of it? Is it making you happy? And is it bringing you joy? 
That is really important. And that's what financial wellness is all about. It's about self-care. So making an appointment with the financial advisor or financial planner is self-care. Sitting down and taking a look and making a budget for yourself, that is self-care. So I really encourage you that if you are struggling with your finances to either seek some help uh, if, if, if you can, or there are lots and lots of resources out there, including our show for what it's worth that will help guide you through whatever it is that you're going through. And even just building a budget or just figuring out how much money you have to spend on back to school, all of that's going to make you feel better about your money overall. I want to thank you so much for tuning into the show today and listening. I hope you got something out of it. Thanks to James Petrovic, our technical producer. Thanks to you, the listener. I will see you here next week, same time, same channel. I'm Rubina Ahmed-Huck, and this is For What It's Worth.